You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Today, uh, we're, we're starting a new series. I feel quite excited for this. I think the, the Lord, as he ever does, is going to do something among us. But before, before we, we jump in, I just want to share this with you. A few weeks back, um, we, we did a welcome dinner, which if you've not yet been to one, can I encourage you to come along? We just share a little bit of a story, how you can get more involved. Moments like that are crucial for who we are as a community. We don't just want to build a crowd of people. We want to form around vision and values, and we want to live out uh, the purposes of God together and all that he's called us to. But anyway, on, on that particular evening, as there often is, there was just a buzz in the room. And at the end, I can... Um, I can probably only describe this as like there was like a leaving tunnel. Um, so as people left, they went through uh, a tunnel and everybody clapped and cheered. And it was, it was kind of, um, you kind of had to be there, but it was, it was phenomenal. And um, I thought about it quite a lot because you just can't plan stuff like that. It actually, to those of you that weren't there, you're like, this is really weird. What are you talking about? It might sound a bit cheesy or a bit painful, but honestly, what it was, I think, was just a natural overflow of the community and the presence of God in the room that developed into like this, this, this leaving tunnel. And um, what we've always longed for is, is that the, the, what the Father does among us in the church flows out. What starts in our hearts and minds and what he builds here would then flow into the city and make a, a, a difference. Something of the deposit of the Spirit of God among us would leak out into the city and affect lives and change communities. And, and, and in so many ways, that is what's happening. But I, just sometimes you get a glimpse of something that, that feels supernatural that is out working. And I, I just wanted to share it that uh, the other week we did the Monday, Thursday thing. For those of you that were here, we gathered and we worshipped Jesus. On, on just before the Easter weekend and afterwards a number of people like quite a lot actually um, went to like the traditional second part of church which is going to McDonald's and um, the, the, the staffing structure on that particular Thursday night was not ready for the volume of people that were about to, to walk in and so as, as people placed it well it wasn't as they placed an order but as an order was ready people started cheering and, um, and actually clapping and like a bit more as well. It was quite, it was one of those extrovert environments. But it reminded me of the welcome dinner leaving tunnel because it was an infectious environment to, to be in. So much so, and I don't think I've ever seen this before and probably won't again, but the staff started cheering when an order was ready and they kind of caught what was happening and, and joined in. One of them, I wish I'd videoed it, but one of them was literally jumping and clapping and like kind of doing this thing like this. And um, people then who weren't part of our group or weren't on staff who then went up to get an order they got the same response. It was like just this, I know, it was like, if you weren't there, you're like, what? It was like this rapturous applause, and this guy who's on staff is just jumping and clapping. It's like order number six. It's like, come on, come on, get in. And um, anyway, I ordered a donut as part of our order, and um, it wasn't there. So, I know, shocking. So after, after a while, I wasn't like demanding my rights, but I just went over and said to the 
to the lady that wasn't jumping with the guy next to her who was jumping, oh, like my, just, you know, I'm not trying to make a big thing, but I, I did order a donut, and would it be possible to have it? And honestly, it was all going on. And uh, she's like, oh, sorry, the, the, the donut was missing, but actually we did that deliberately. And I'm like, what kind of con is this place? And she's like, because we wanted to give you this. And she gave me a bag, and in it was two donuts. I know, I know, I like 69p, it's <laughs> phenomenal, but... I, wait, wait for the stock take, but I'm like, I'm like, but there was something in me as well. I've come away and I thought about it. Like, I'm like, what? Really? You didn't give me the donut so that you could give me two donuts. And I'm not trying to make something out of nothing. And I'm not trying to claim revival happened that night. And I'm not trying to whip something up like beyond what it was. But I have thought about it a few times that there's something about the kingdom of God. And there's something about the community of his presence when it brings something to bear that should overflow into a community. And on that particular night in that place, there was a joy and there was a generosity that I would attribute to attributes of who God is. He's a God of joy and he's a God of generosity. And we want to see this overflow and we want to expect it to be a thing. That the, the reign and rule of God where that is present, we see an overflow into the lives of people in the wider community. And our God is a God of joy, and our God is a God of generosity. And I pray that um, that that would increasingly be so, that we get to be part of it, that it causes an uplift in community, and it causes an uplift in community and society as we engage with people because the presence of God is there alive among us. And I pray that over you. I pray that over your houses. I pray that over your communities, your neighbours, your workplaces, wherever you are, that the kingdom of God would be expressed here on earth as it is in heaven. We don't really have time, but I'm just going to tell you another story if I can. Ye yesterday I was just... Um, I was, I was strimming the weeds at the front of our house and I've got like my ear defenders on because I'm making a racket and this guy kind of comes past pushing his bike and he looks at me and he says hello and I, I think he did because I had my headphones on, I couldn't actually hear him but he's chatting with me like I know him. So I took my headphones off and I was like, started chatting with him. Anyway, he, uh, long story short, we chat for about 45 minutes and we talk about all sorts of things about some stuff with his past and his dad and his family and um, we talk about Jesus. And this other guy comes and joins us who he does know. He didn't know me, but I guess he thought he did. But anyway, we're chatting. And um, he, he shares that he's got this pain in his back that he's had for two years following a car crash. And uh, you know how it is. You, you know you want to pray for them, but you have to... It took me 45 minutes to be like, mate, can I pray for you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. What are you going to do? And I was like, yeah, that's, good. that's a good point. I haven't thought of that. So... Um, He's like, anyway, are you going to put your hand on my head? And it was like the other side of our railings. So I was like, no, but do you mind if I put my hand on your back? So he turned around and he kind of leant back and I just shoved my hand through the railing. And he, he did the, I don't know how he knew, but he knew the posture that we do. So he's like this. I don't know if he had his eyes shut because I couldn't actually see him. But um, it was, then people are looking and all sorts is going, oh, hand through the railing. Anyway, he, um, he kind of leant into my hand and I, I just prayed some stuff about his dad and that it would actually break. And if there was a stronghold over the pain in his back linked to that, that, that would break. Anyway, he puts his thumb up and he starts going like this. And I'm like, mate, what's, what's going on? And he's like, the pain is completely gone. 
can I come to church? And I can't see him, which is why I shared the story, but I'm going to follow him. Because I just believe there's an overflow of what the Lord does. What we've started to see some remarkable healings in this place. Our longing is that we start to see remarkable healings out of this place because that's the presence of the kingdom. Anyway, that's, all of that's nothing to do with this series apart from I believe that this is going to be an overflow, I pray, into, into the people around us. But this new series is called It Takes a Village. I pray that what we talk about, how we talk about it affects us, but not only that, does exactly what I just said, that it flows through us, out of us, onto us, but then changes society and culture around us, that it would be exactly what Matthew 5 says, that we carry and represent the light of the world, that this would be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. Jesus in Matthew 20 is diffusing this tension between two of the disciples, James and John, and he gathers them together. In verse 26, he says this, among you, it will be different. That little phrase always grabs me. Among you, it will be different. Would it be that through this series, we realize that who we are, what we are, and who we represent, and that we realize that we're supposed to be people that are different, that we wouldn't just live what we've had lived to us, what we've seen and experienced, or adopt what we've seen modelled to us, but actually that we would be different because that's what the kingdom calls us to. So this series really is going to be about raising sons and daughters. I believe there's a remarkable biblical mandate on our lives for that in how we interact and relate to each other. I, I also want to say this series is going to be very intentionally leaning into speaking about parenting throughout this series. Now, some of you will be parents. Some of you will be parents of older children that will have left home. Some of you will be parents-to-be. Some of you one day may be parents. Now, before some of you step back and think, well, this series, therefore, isn't relevant to me because you're not a parent, can I, can I just say this? We're all sons and daughters of a king, and our mandate is to raise spiritual sons and daughters, and we long to do that holistically. It's not just a, a spiritual thing. I think this impacts every area of our lives and our relationships. We're all spiritually grandparents, aunties, uncles, brothers, and sisters. And I, I believe that applies to the workplace, that we're raising and investing in people to see them become all that God has for them. You will have overseers, bosses, managers. Some of you will have to manage up. And as we seek to be a people that raises sons and daughters, we, we all need to grab hold of and realize what it is to invest in the next generation. We should all be like the Apostle Paul that has a Timothy, somebody that we're leaning into to, to invest in and to believe in people we prioritize and people that we are longing to dig for gold in their lives. So just, just to say that, I want to say that generally because I'm not going to keep saying it. If, if I talk about parenting, actually, I think you can apply it across the board. If I refer to being a parent, it could well be that all of us should be raising spiritual sons and daughters. If I say that every time I try and apply it, you're going to get stuck on repeat and, and get bored. But please don't count yourself out. Count yourself in to a thing that the Lord wants to do among us. Let me, let me also just say that I'm going to try and walk through this with, with kindness and sensitivity. But I also want to acknowledge and, and recognize that for a number of you, this could be quite hard 
in a number of ways. And let me just spell out a few. Firstly, you may disagree with me. Now, now I've got to say that that's okay. I'm going to try and hold to the truths of the Bible, but the application may have differences to what you may think. Can I just encourage you in that in two ways? Firstly, that's, that's actually okay. We don't have to all believe exactly the same thing in the same way. But also, I can't avoid doing this because of that. And secondly, can I encourage you to ensure that actually you've thought about these things? Because you are most welcome to disagree, but you've got to start somewhere. Please know that you are being discipled. And please just make sure that it's Jesus that's doing it rather than the world around you. Everybody under the sun will have an opinion on these things. More books have been written than would fit in a library. There's countless social media posts and these self-assigned experts of the day. I'm not really trying to give parenting tips. I think there's stacks of books that will teach you how to get your children to put food in their mouth rather than shoving it up their nose and all that kind of stuff or you know how how to get your children out the door within two hours but our first port of call has to be Jesus and alignment with him and hopefully that's where I'm going to try and point us towards but I think we need sensitivity and awareness among us because there'll be a number of people in this community who are single for whom that is a painful journey and there'll be some who have not been able to have children. And there will be some who have lost children. And there'll be some who have older children that have walked away from following Jesus. There'll be some in this room who are divorced. Or some who are in the process of separating. Or some whom this stirs something up in the way they have been parented or they parent. That causes them, on reflection, to feel quite uncomfortable. Do you see, do you see what I'm saying? So I think we just need a sensitivity to that. This may be for some a reminder and a realisation that there's some significant stuff in your life that maybe needs unpicking. Traumatic childhood experiences can form something in the unconscious that pain can enter into our emotions and it can incarnate itself in our body as a memory and as a posture of pain or fear that then affects relationships and unfolds in later life and it can hold us ransom unless there is enough healing and love and moments of realisation that allow us to negate that pain. But hurt people hurt people, but freed people free people. And unless we transform it, we're going to transmit it. So we need to look at it. We need to press into it. So my longing is that we can walk through this journey together over the next few weeks with grace and sensitivity, with, with compassion and with kindness, knowing that all of us actually are wounded healers. We all have wounds, but we show them to the Father and he heals us, he restores us. And then actually in his remarkable kindness and mercy and grace, he uses those wounds as it is healed in his arms to help us then speak into and reach into other lives to help them help him. So would it be that we become champions of each other, particularly through this stage? But before we, we, we jump into that, let me just share three core values of this church, because I think, again, this is foundational as we look at this. You may be familiar with them. If you're not, they're on the website. One of them is this, the individual. All people matter to God, so all people matter. 
And we want to be people that extend grace and mercy to each other. We're committed to nurturing an atmosphere of mutual acceptance, open communication, trust, which encourages each person to work towards their full potential in Jesus, creating opportunities and a community that is open to anyone, whatever their past and whatever and wherever they're at on their journey of considering Jesus. That's the first one, the individual. The second one is this, healthy relationships. We want to build a community that depends, so it develops open, honest, genuine relationships, enabling us to support each other to become more Christ-like. And the third one, we believe an aspect of our role is to teach, train, and equip, and model how family members participate, and how healthy family functions. So much of what we do together is caught rather than taught, but there's also times where you've got to speak into it. And as I just said, uh, we believe part of our role is to teach, train, equip, and model how healthy members function in a family and participate together. And that's what we're going to try and do. That's what we're going to try and speak into through this series. So ready for it? Let's, let's jump in. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 says this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Investing in others is a full-time job, regardless of your other jobs. Our job is to teach our children how to know and how to love God. It's not enough just to raise a child in the church. That's not the aim. We want to show them Jesus. And we always want to be people that prioritize that. Now, a number of you, without a doubt, will have had a number of experiences that will have caused you deep hurt. For a number of you, you'll have had experiences that will have have caused you as a parent or as an investor in others to feel a sense of failure or deep frustration. Yet what I want to do is I want to draw us again to just a deep gratitude to God for the gift that he gives us as an opportunity to raise sons and daughters. We have to remind ourselves this is a privilege and an honour. For those of you that, that have already written yourselves off, let's, let's just, just take a minute to be honest. Nothing this side of heaven is without problems. Yet God is in the business of change. There is always beauty there to be, fought, to be found. Sometimes it may just be hidden beneath the dust or the silence be to be behind past experience or hurt and it's time to dig again for the gold it honestly takes a village to raise a child it takes all of us together in a discipleship mechanism to be in community to see what the lord may want to do among others one of um if i'm honest one of our fears when we planted this church was the impact it would have on our children at that time we only had one but removing them from an environment where we were before where we could see discipleship to then an unknown environment having seen and heard some of the scary stories that you do hear around pastors kids that that was really quite hard and it was actually probably i would say one of the biggest battles i faced in in doing it but then when you filter it more healthfully and when you align 
with, with, a, with a perspective that I think is more honoring of what the Lord might want to do. I want them to experience God stories, not just things that they've heard or read about, but to know that, that their story would come alive for them and be modeled to them, not just by us as their parents, but also by other people as they saw that in them. And as we risked it all, that's what we wanted to model. We risk it all for the sake of the kingdom, that they would see firsthand that we didn't just choose safety and security, but we chose risk and obedience. And that then they would be in a church community where maybe they would never have friends their own age, but they would be in environments where the kingdom was extended and it'd be something that was multi-generational and that they would have multiple, countless aunties and uncles and grandparents that would show them something of radical living in obedience for Jesus. Where actually you would play a huge part in that story in their lives, playing your part. And I'm not saying in any way that we've abdicated our role as parents, but actually to acknowledge that this is so much bigger than us and what the Lord does through a village of people, through a community of people, is so much bigger than the individual can achieve. Can I say just specifically to some of you that hold community loosely, I, I just want to say this, that the, the faith family you choose will have one of the greatest impacts on your life and your faith journey. You might not choose your biological family. You cannot choose your upbringing, but you can choose how you invest in a church community. And parents who treat the church as optional should not be surprised when their children then end up treating Jesus as unnecessary. We, we have to prioritize these things. Matthew 1, verse 46, as Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mothers and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who are? Sorry, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my brothers and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus wasn't denying his earthly family or his responsibility to them. I think he shows relentlessly and time and time again how he prioritized that. Instead, Jesus was pointing out that spiritual relationships are as binding as physical ones. And he was paving the way for a new community, a community of believers, the universal church, our spiritual family and pointing and highlighting the significance of it. What we get to do together here is a big deal. And we should be, and we are formed and shaped by it. But we will get out what we put in. Let me just draw out, if I can, just a first principle that I want to kind of land us on. And it's this, love. Love has to be a priority. Parenting has to be about relationship. We can so easily turn it into task. I think even just a moment ago, Abby or Sarah, one of them mentioned that this isn't about a task. This is about a relationship together. But often we do a task to help us form the relationship. But so easily in parenting, it can become a task. Right, I've got to do this, 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 and this. I just need to do this. To survive today, I just need to do dot, 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 dot. Parenting will always be filled with tasks. But for all of us functioning as a community, 
and interrelating, it will be filled with tasks. But Jesus taught us that when we look at the whole of life, nothing is more important than relationships. So therefore, when we look at parenting, nothing is more important than relationships. Navigating the challenging waters of parenting, therefore, has to maintain and fight for a very clear priority that nothing is more important than love. Now, I I know for some of you that's painful to hear because as you reflect on that in an earthly sense, that isn't actually something you really experience. You will have had a significant void of knowing that as a reality in your own life. But when Jesus was asked by a teacher of the law to name the most important commandment, what does he say? He says, Mark 12, verse 30, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commitment is greater than Lee's. Love God, love people. Nothing is more important. Love is a priority in our lives, it's a priority in our relationships, it's a priority or it should be a priority in our parenting. Love is often communicated through belief He taught in a way that even the children could understand. Staggering break from the cultural norm. He invests and communicates and speaks and relates in a way that accepts openly children and allows them to understand what he's talking about. So often in our relationships, our insecurities cause us to have this one-upmanship attitude. We often allow a corporate or a professional mode to leak in to how we relate and how we function but we can't place reliance on those professional models we have to place a reliance on presence and guidance of the spirit 1 timothy 4 12 many of you will be familiar but it says this don't let anyone think less of you because you're young but be an example to all believers in what you say in the way you live your life in your love in your faith and in your purity Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. So often, if someone younger than us does something that we feel is better than us, we feel threatened. Or we wouldn't believe or release them in the first place because they just don't have the experience. They just don't have the training. Or they don't have everything that we think that they should have. Love is communicated through belief. And he taught in a way that even children could understand, realize, and be empowered by. Isn't that remarkable? That we should have a lean towards an emerging generation and a belief in them. Let me give you three things to to think about as we seek to prioritize parenting. As we prioritize actually accepting the call of being a parent. As we prepare for the, the value and the role of being a parent and a spiritual parent to others. Firstly, let me just remind you that parenting is more than a set of tasks. It is a life calling. Now, I've got to say, it potentially wasn't, and it potentially wasn't for you as you grow up. It may not be something that you've seen or something that you've experienced or had modeled to you, but I want to suggest to you that it should be as a way of living. There is remarkable power in recognizing that you are called to something and called to it by God in aligning yourself to the priorities that God has therefore placed on your life. It says this, Ephesians 4 verse 1, I beg you 
to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. You don't need to leave a life worthy to get called. You lead a life worthy because you have been called. So what does that look like for you? How are you intentionally investing and raising others up? Because you can't just run in your own lane doing your own thing. There's no success without succession. We've got to be people who are constantly handing on the baton, believing in others, not looking down on others because they're young. Practically, with, with regard to children specifically, I would say this. I long for my children to go further than me. Now, that will come as a cost, but actually it's not a cost because that's what I long for them for. So I've got to get out of their way to let them have their time, to let them see and to experience things. And my job is to teach them to thrive. Now, imagine if we applied that more widely as a community, that we had that as a principle, as a family together. Because actually, I do long for that for you as a church. You see, uh, brothers compete, fathers complete. I'm not trying to compete with my children. I'm not trying to be better than them. I'm not trying to be faster than them. I'm, I'm trying to help them go further than I ever could to believe in them, to cheer them on, to champion them, to believe the best, to seek out the best, to invest in them, to, to nurture them into all that the future might hold for them. So I guess my question with that is, what are you competing with here? See, who in this room are you competing with? Because what about rather than seeking to compete, you sought to complete? Because that's what the Father does. You find your security and your stability in him. Know that you're called to raise others up and you're called to it. And then to give away rather than hold on to, to deposit something and to nurture something in others. I want to beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. That's, that's the first thing. The second thing is this, that the priority of parenting will be encouraged as you prepare to be the best parent that you can be. See, we, we invest in preparation and trainings and all sorts of tools in so many other areas. You think of your career and how you've invested in being trained and equipped for that. Shouldn't it be even more important with this one? because we're shaping the next generation. Solomon writes, Psalm 127, verse 3, children are a gift from God. They are a reward from him. They are a gift and a re reward that requires our time and our energy. So we have to learn. I guess I want to ask you, what are you learning? What do you read? What do you listen to? Who do you spend time with that helps you parent better or helps you invest in others better? Proverbs 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We need to be sharpened. We need to be equipped to do this thing. Some of you just need to take a moment to acknowledge the challenge that the forced segregation of the pandemic has caused you. Just take a moment to think about that. If not now, today, that the loneliness or the learned rhythm of doing things without others for some of you who are raising young children, where you've done that alone, without others alongside you, sharing the journey and speaking into the journey, that will have developed in you some coping mechanisms that will actually need to be reconstructed. 
you'll need to take a moment to acknowledge that was painful, that's caused habits and behaviours in you that are probably not that healthy and they'll need realigning. I want to say this, it takes a village. We're supposed to do this together. I, I just want to say acknowledge some of that, call it out, lick your wounds. Actually, there is a space and a time to have a cry, but now choose to rise up and choose a better tomorrow and a better structure for the tomorrow. Because we have to learn to invest in raising our children, in raising sons and daughters in a way that calls out and brings the best. You know, there are, there are often times where um, I find myself strolling into the evening and uh, it's getting late and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to watch the football highlights and you know I missed it earlier because I was, I was busy and um, you know sometimes I think do you know what actually that can wait I need to go to bed and I need to go to sleep and I need to be ready to get up so that I can give the kids the best of me rather than a grumpy tired me because I stayed up late watching something that could have waited. Do you see what I mean? I think we have to filter our, our world through the lens of what is going to cause us to be the best. Let, let, me, let me just put it another way. Did you come here today ready to invest in someone? Do you go to small group ready to invest in someone? Do you go to work or whatever space you go to regularly ready to invest in someone? Do you, do you, did you come today to, to take or do you come to give? Now, I'm not, I'm not judging or criticising you. I just think we have to prepare to be the best that we can be because we invest in raising others and we have to be ready to do so. So with a, with a child, I think it's actually no different with an, with an adult. A look, a glance, a smile, a word of encouragement, a full engagement, a phone away, ready to listen rather than actually talk, that kind of approach, that willingness to be ready and willing and prepared to do so is crucial to the investment and development and nurturing of their lives. So let's be prepared. And what that means is there'll be good times and there'll be harder times. There's, there's two things that I think help prepare us. One is that we celebrate. So we honestly, in, in our house, we literally celebrate everything. Because I think by celebrating, we're depositing something in, in others that is incredibly powerful. We don't just celebrate birthdays, but we celebrate first days back to school, last day of term, expressions of kindness and generosity. Take uh, literally whatever you can find. I'd encourage you, take time to celebrate it. And I'd, I'd say that not just of your biological children, but we do that together as a community. That's what I love about small group. We take the moment to celebrate. There are people in this community that live alone and will need you to actively step into their life to mark and celebrate those moments because that's what it is to be family. That's what it is to invest and raise others. It takes a village. Equally, I can't abdicate the role that I get to play in discipleship. I don't leave the discipleship of our kids to the kids team and leave it just to a Sunday thing. Don't get me wrong, I am incredibly grateful for all that they do and give and so many of you do and give and show them. They've seen remarkable generosity and kindness by being in a church family. But we have to build things in into, into their lives when the door is closed. And we have to find the people in this community that don't naturally have that where we want to give that. Let me just share one practical thing we do. There's many things we could share. But to, to this, I would say it's so precious. I'm not trying to be holier than thou. I just want to encourage you to think spiritually. If someone comes and, and stays with us, 
from from a different part of the country or wherever it is we share the lord's supper together i'm not saying we always do it because sometimes we forget but it is so precious and it's so precious for them we don't see those people every day and when we do what we do is we gather around Jesus and we recenter our alignment of our mind and our attention around him. So we celebrate, but particularly we celebrate Jesus and we find ways to prioritize and to celebrate him. The second thing we, I would say is this, you, you have to be comfortable with the fact that you, you can't prepare for everything. Not everything is actually going to be a celebration, but so much of what comes at you, you can't prepare for. And you kind of got to be ready for the unexpected because you can't foresee the fact that they're going to try and jump whatever it is or fall into or, or, or think of a plan. <laughs> like, how did you think of that plan? Why have you just done that? They will regularly stroll into uncharted territory. I think we all do. It's not just a parenting thing. But preparation doesn't prevent the chaos. What it does do is give you a degree of peace and wisdom in the storm. It's not always about building this perfectly ordered world, but sometimes you've got to know how to very quickly get everybody in the basement because a tornado's coming. You've got to know, hold on, this is a moment where I need to hunker down and protect and really protect and shield. Okay, so one, remind yourself it's not just a task, it takes a life calling. Two, prepare to be the best parent that you can be. Third and final one is this. Remember the value of what you're doing. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. A world that measures value in tasks completed or money earned or whatever it may be will often forget that the bottom line is people will last and things will not. How many times have you heard somebody say to a mum, so what do you do? You know, what's your, what's your job? What's your career? In that moment, and many of you will have experienced that even many years ago, you may have felt belittled or humiliated. I, I just want to turn that around for a moment and speak into where that's become a lie that has held you and bound you and actually break it. Because what you could have said is you're the director of health and education and welfare, you know? You're the secretary of the treasury, the head of public affairs, the chairman of the house rules. We could go on and on and on. What you really need to say is, actually, you're responsible for teaching your children to eat and not choke, right up to pretty much teaching them yourself to drive. Well, I mean, what do you do? What do you not do? But you are responsible for the discipleship and the investment and training of a child to walk in the way of Jesus. That is a big deal. Some of you applied more widely, I would say, have felt undermined and devalued. You've given everything you've got to Christ, his church and his cause. And that hasn't impressed your parents. That hasn't fluffed up or given language for your CV. That's caused you to make sacrifices and life choices that cause you to have to regularly and often count the pennies. I, I just want to say this to you and speak more truth over you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, raiser of sons and daughters. You know, there was a time many years ago, just after 
um, our eldest Sophie was born, that rather than return to work, we decided that Steph and I would spend, uh, sorry, that Steph would predominantly spend her time investing in Sophie and giving the rest of her remainder of her time voluntarily to, to serve the church. And I've got to tell you, it cost us. And it cost us significantly. We'd received a bit of inheritance money and we decided that we'd see that as a, a lump of money that would allow us to do that. And for that period of time that we could do those two things, invest in the church and wider relationships and invest in our daughter. Others around us were, were spending money in, in different ways and they were able to do things that we weren't able to do. Now you could say, what did we have to show for it I'd argue we've got everything to show for it. It was foundational and it significantly invested in her and shaped our lives and we were able to serve the church. My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Work enthusiastically for the Lord for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. We've got to remember the value of what you're doing. We've got to choose to invest rather than just naturally coast. I'd argue actually having a young child gives you more opportunities than ever before because rather than, um, than actually have less time, you potentially have different time. It reshapes your time. But what you do with it, how you use it, is a choice that's in your hands for this season, as it is, I would say, with any other life stage. You can choose how you invest and you nurture others. Why don't, why don't we just pause there? Hopefully that's a helpful introduction of, of where we're going, and I hope and I pray that we have hearts ready and prepared for it. But why, why don't we stand together? Steph, would you just join me for a moment? As ever, let's just, let's just wait on the Lord a moment. In his kindness, Father, we invite you. Come, Holy Spirit. I think he's going to do quite a few things this morning. The, the, just the, the few senses I get is um, he wants to break some of the, the spoken lies over some of you. And almost things that some of you have adopted of, um, of failure. Uh, for some of you, it's like that you've been, you found yourself in an environment that you didn't choose it's like unexpected, unplanned circumstances. I just believe he wants to rewrite that. Say that you are perfectly placed. I think uh, there's also a significant boldness that uh, the Lord wants to place on some of you for um, like signs and wonders, for almost what we call power evangelism. It's like just sharing of your faith. I think there's... Um, I think there may be somebody here where you, it's just above your right ankle you're in a, a significant pain. Uh, I don't know if this is related, but somebody I think you've just got a, a repetitive clicking as you move. If there's someone I think it's a jaw, but I think there's someone else just a repetitive clicking in your in your joint. And somebody else I think there's a... Um, Oh, this is hard to describe. I've no idea what I'm on about. But um, like your left shoulder running down towards your heart, it's almost like the, there's a, I'm going to call it a tube, but it's not a tube. There's something there that you're aware of. And it may even have been almost medically diagnosed that there's a, there's a problem. I think the father would just want to speak into that this morning. 
just to just dig in another wave on some of what I just said. I think some of you have, you feel like you've there's been a season um, where you've you weren't present and you feel like that's brought harm. And um, some of the the things that you've almost inherited through the, the your own family line, you feel you've passed on and it's brought harm. I just just believe the Lord wants to speak a freedom over you on that this morning, release you from that. That He is a redeemer. We sang earlier that. <clears throat> mercy triumphs over judgment and I just want to thank God for that that there is mercy 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 and it and it triumphs over judgment and I just want to add that um to all that Paul said let the banner over all of it be mercy not judgment um, let's not get hung up on what was said or what was left unsaid or you know, there aren't right or wrongs there's it's just this collective sense that we want to to be the healthiest versions of ourselves that we can be, to be healthy and obedient and all partner with him in raising physical and spiritual sons and daughters. And Lord, I thank you that there is mercy. Your mercy is on you every morning and your mercy triumphs over judgment. But I think in that there is, there may be... Some people may respond to that, that there has been this, this feeling in your life of, of more judgment than mercy, perhaps, when it's come to how you've conducted yourself, the decisions you've made in life, how you've parented, how you've invested in, in other people, that you've come against a feeling of condemnation or, or judgment. Um, and we want to just to speak truth over that and, and realign that with, with God's mercy. So as the as the band just gently play, why don't you um, why don't you come out from your seats and and respond to whatever it may be that you would like prayer for, mm. whatever it is that's going on in your heart, whatever whether it's related to this series, this talk this morning, or totally unrelated. If you feel that you'd like someone to pray for you, or you can sense the Holy Spirit resting on you, why don't you come come out to the front or the sides, and we'll make sure that someone prays with you. Could just just see the the, the the just the gentleness of the father this morning. Let's just let him father us. Come Lord. Surely this is always the place and the space that we want to bring this stuff. Before the Father, to allow him to rewrite and to speak truth. Come Lord. There's, there's, there's quite a few people who have responded. There's quite a few people who are all over the room who have responded. I just, not that we ever wouldn't, but I just really encourage us. There's a, there's a gentleness and a sensitivity today. just want to see a deposit of the love of the Father. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.